Saturday the 10th, is that right, at Joy Ranch? Can anyone confirm that? Yes. All right, thank you. I was looking for somebody from there. Uh, Joy Ranch is having their uh, nativity, and what time does it start? Six o'clock, all right? So Joy Ranch over there in Woodlawn, if you want to, go ahead and, and support them. It would be great. They do a live nativity, lots of Christmas lights, and uh, it's a good fundraiser for them. Is that correct? Fundraiser? It's just free. You can give them something if you want to, I reckon. But uh, anyways, but go out and support them if you want to see some Christmas lights, and uh, we are thankful for that ministry out there. Um, then next Sunday, December the 18th, we are just having a worship service, so no, no Sunday school or evening service. That's not next Sunday. That's two Sundays away from now. I don't know what day it is. There you go. Whatever day it is. It, it, December the 18th, uh, following the morning service, we're going to have our Christmas lunch, an ugly Christmas sweater day. Uh, so join us after the morning worship uh, for Christmas lunch with fellowship and food and all that good stuff. Uh, we'll also have some prizes for maybe the ugliest uh, sweaters, so make those things nice and ugly, all right? May, you, you can do it, all right? Uh, some of you might do it now. I don't, no, I'm just kidding. I don't see any others, any ugly sweaters out there, but we'll have a good time out, out there. We had a good time last year with it. Uh, but the church is providing ham, turkey, and rolls. If you want something besides ham, turkey, and rolls, please bring it and share it, and we'll have a good time. And after the, um, after the um, Christmas meal, Miss Lynn Pratt said that she wants to lead up a group uh, for some Christmas caroling. So if you're interested in doing some Christmas caroling, find Miss Lynn and tell her that you are ready to sing and tell her your part. If you're tenor, alto, or, or if you just can't even hardly sing, but you're willing to do it, all right? And, and she'll get you set up there for that. And uh, we are looking forward to that day and all that the Lord will have for that. Wednesday, December 21st. Uh, we'll be having our Christmas candlelight service and cookie social that night. So we're going to have at 6.30 um, a, a shorter uh, but a sweet service. So we're going to have some of the lights, dim, Christmas lights on. We're going to have a couple specials and things. It'll be a sweet time and, and a candle lighting service. We will have real candles, all right? Uh, and, and we'll also have some fake ones for children or if you just don't trust yourself or if you don't trust your spouse, all right? We'll let you figure that out. You can have that argument on the way home. Uh, but bring some cookies, and we'll have some cookies afterwards, and we'll have a good time, all right? We'll have some hot chocolate, coffee, and all that good stuff. And then December the 25th, that is Christmas morning. Y'all know that? All right, perfect. So just keep that in mind. But that morning, uh, well, that day, first of all, we're not going to have Sunday school or evening service because it is Christmas, but we're going to have worship service 1030 like normal. And so if you can, come out. We want you to enjoy fellowship. That's going to be a sweet service uh, just to be able to celebrate uh, what the Lord has done for us um, especially on Christmas Day, and so we'll get to wish everybody Merry Christmas. And we'll also have some gifts and goodies for everybody who comes out that day. And then as well, uh, this is just to let everybody know that on the back table back there, we do have some stuff for Christmas cards for shut-ins this year like we did last year. So if you want to be a blessing to our shut-ins and send them Christmas cards, all the information is back there on that table, all right? Grab yourself a sheet so you know who to send it to, and you can pray for them, let them know you love them, wish them Merry Christmas, all right? Uh, well, let's pray this morning. And we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to worship the Lord. And today sort of starts our Christmas kickoff here at the church. So we'll be singing some Christmas songs and, and just worshiping the Lord. And so today I, I want to make sure that we understand that as we sing these songs, it's not just about, it's not just about Jesus coming and a little story of, of Bethlehem and all that. We're, we're looking much further. We're looking at Christ had to come to die. He was born to die. And He was born to die because I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, and we can't save ourselves. And He was born died on that cross, rose again, and He's coming back again for His people. And that's the Christmas message. 
And so that's what we're going to be focused on the next few weeks. But that's what we're going to sing about and we're going to praise the Lord for His kindness to come to us when we couldn't come to Him. But let's pray. Lord, we come to You. We just want to thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You for Your kindness, Lord. Thank You for this Christmas season, for these beautiful lights, for the, the many folks who have helped to make this happen. And Lord, we thank You that we can gather today freely to worship You, to praise Your name. And Lord, as we begin uh, to sing of, of Christmas songs and of the, the coming of Christ, Lord, may we not just look at at uh, just the, the nativity time, but maybe look even further. Maybe look at the, the, the person and work of Jesus that He literally came, He literally died, He literally rose again, and He will literally come again one day, Lord. May we praise Your name. May our hearts and our minds be cleared of all distractions, all worries, our, all concerns. Lord, that You would fill us with Your Spirit, that You would draw us to Christ, that Christ would be magnified and lifted up today, that, that souls might be saved, that souls might be brought under conviction if needed, souls would be encouraged. Lord, that You would do a work through the preaching of Your Word, through your Holy Spirit, as only you can do. God, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for this time when we give it over to you now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and good morning. If you're able, please stand. And it's in hymn number 267. We'll start off here singing Christmas carols for the month of December. Micah. Five, five, short verse and a short book, by the way. And this man shall be the peace. Jesus Christ, our Lord, he is the peace. Amen. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. They're hopeful. Come all ye faithful, hymn number 249. Luke 215 tells us, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, 
and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. O come, all ye faithful. Seventy, <coughs> excuse me. Joy to the world. Psalm ninety-eight, four, and verse nine tells us: Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. There's your command to sing out now. Make a joyful noise. <laughs> All the earth make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Verse nine tells us: Before the Lord, for He is cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Our God is a righteous God. Sing out. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart. sing and heaven and nature sing <laughs> 
repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns confess the ground. He is found, for as the curse is found, for as, for as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love amen now before we're seated let's make ourselves greet one another shake one another's hand wave smile say hello Let's all do that right now. Then after you do that, after a little spell, you can sit down. <laughs> Thank y'all for helping out, both of you. Thank you. You pray first, If y'all would, make your way back to your seat. And we have some special music now by Mr. Stephen Dalton soloing it today. Amen. We appreciate you, Steve. Hey, before I start, I'm gonna, I wasn't going to do this. I'm going to give a quick testimony. Uh, it's been a while. It's been, uh, been a rough three or four years, but uh, thank you for all your prayers. You know, God's Word says in 1 Thessalonians that we're to give thanks in all things for this is the will of God in, for us concerning Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but, you know, I've been through a lot of things, and I know you all have too, and, and uh, so how do you do that? Well, 
the Bible says to give thanks in them, not to give thanks for them. And that's what's taken me through that, through the, the spell that, that, that we went through, and I know many of you went through some things as well. Uh, but Paul even prayed to get that thorn of the flesh, prayed it out, or tried to pray it out. Uh, but God's grace is sufficient, and it's, it's good to be back here, and just thank you for all your support and prayers, and, and uh, I pray this song will be a blessing to you and, and make us understand as we go into this Christmas season. Everybody's excited, and hey, the birth of the Savior, and, and uh, gets a little commercialized, and, and we contribute to that for sure. But at the end of the day, he's coming back. little town of Bethlehem looks like another silent night above your deep and dreamless sleep a giant star lights up the sky and while you're lying in the dark there shines an everlasting light. For the king has left his throne, is sleeping in a manger tonight, tonight. Oh, Bethlehem, what you have missed while you were sleeping. For God became a man and stepped into your world today. Oh, Bethlehem, will you go down in history as a city with no room for its king while you were sleeping? While you were sleeping? Mary shivers in the cold, trying to keep the Savior warm. Born among the animals, wrapped in dirty rags, because there was no room for him in the world he came to save. Oh, Bethlehem, what you would miss while you were sleeping. For God became a man and stepped into your world today. Oh, Bethlehem, we will go down in history as a city with no room for its king while you were sleeping. While you were sleeping. United States of America looks like another silent night.
As we're sung to sleep by philosophies to save the trees and kill the children. And while we're lying in the dark, there's a shout heard across the eastern sky. For the bridegroom has returned and carried his bride away in the night, in the night. America, what will we miss while we are sleeping? Will Jesus come again and leave us slumbering where we lay? America, Will we go down in history as a nation with no room for its king? Will we be sleeping? Will we be sleeping? United States of America Looks like another silent night. See, if y'all would, after a wonderful song like that, and a great message in it too. Please bow with me as we talk to the Most High God. Our precious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for again for this another day you've given us. Thank you for your mercy that you give us one more day, your grace, your love, Lord, your goodness, your patience, your long-suffering. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful. Lord, we need your faithfulness because we're unfaithful. And, Lord, we praise you, Lord, for your holiness and your righteousness and all your glory and majesty, all that you are, Father, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present, God. And, Lord, we ask you to, Lord, Lord, entreat us with your presence here today, and, Lord, help us to honor and glorify you in every song sung, every word spoken, every step taken, everything that we do, Lord, every word preached, bring honor and glory to you, and that the name of Jesus be lifted up for your honor and your glory. We ask, Lord, you'd help our pastor bring the message that you've given him to your people. Lord, help us to be convicted from your word and yet be encouraged also. Lord, save that soul that might be lost in our midst here today and draw everyone, everyone closer to you. And we pray, Lord, that that would be our desire to walk a closer walk with you we love you because you first loved us in jesus name we pray and ask all things amen all righty if you're able please stand as we sing worthy of worship our lord is worthy revelation 4:11 tells us thou art worthy o lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created not some things, but all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Worthy of worship.
Amen. I can't help it. I hope you the same way. Worthy of reverence. Worthy of reverence. Worthy of fear. Worthy of love and devotion. Worthy of bowing and bending of knees. Worthy Thankful to worship the Lord, especially at Christmas time. I love the, the lights, the songs, and uh, I'm not sure if you paid attention, but some of those songs at Christmas, some of the Christmas carols are more doctrinal and deep theological than half the other hymns and stuff that's out there. I'm telling you, it's just wonderful to think about God who would step into our world because we could not get an inch closer to Him. Our unholiness and our unrighteousness would not allow us to get near to Him. So instead, He drew near to us so that we can draw near to Him because of who Christ is, because of what Christ has done. That's the message of all these songs this morning. Thank you, Stephen, for that song to really bring us right into this place, and as well as a testimony to see that from creation to uh, Christmas to the cross to the one day, the consummation, Christ is the Lord. And we are to give joy and glory and honor and praise to Him forever and forever. And as well, that our eyes might be opened to the world that we're living in. We know that we're living in a dark world, but we also know that we're living in a world that God has called us to be the light in this world. And it's the light of Christ that now shines through us, and it's the light of Christ that 
that shows the darkness that it's dark, and, and there's also the light that draws people to Himself. And that's what we're praying that happens for you, for myself, not just for lost folks this Christmas, but that the Lord this Christmas season would draw us back to what really matters. Now, all the lights are great, presents are great, all the other stuff, but as, as Stephen said, we we've truly have commercialized this so much. And I want us to see that even in the midst of all this busyness and everything, as we head into the new year, that without Christmas, we don't have anything else. God has to come to us. And that is our only hope today. Take your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. Isaiah chapter number 9. This is going to be sort of our base of operation here today. Isaiah chapter 9, as you can figure, we're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7, very familiar Christmas passage and things. But what we're going to be looking at is, as you see in your bulletin, that little green banner there, it's not just there because it's all pretty and stuff, but this is going to be our Christmas series to look at the Christ of Christmas and to answer the question, what child is this? When we think about that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and we'll get into that here in just a little while, we've got to understand this is no ordinary baby. This is not like the, the maternity ward at uh, Radford or, or Galax. This is not just screaming, crying little babies. And, and everyone just walks by and goes, oh, you know what everyone says anytime a baby comes to the world? They are so beautiful. Some babies. We're talking, though, about not just some ordinary child that was born into some maternity hospital. Matter of fact, he wasn't born in a hospital. He was, he was born out in, in, in the very creation of which he made. He, he is now going to be held by the hands of one that he formed and fashioned. When we think about the depth of what it means that Christ stepped in our world, it is mind-boggling to think about the humility and the humiliation of Christ. And so when we examine this question as the, the carol is, what child is this? We're going to see that this is no ordinary child. This is certainly a man, but this is the God-man. This is the perfect mediator for your sins and mine because He's in the flesh, but yet without sin. But He's going to be the perfect mediator for God because... He always has been God. Jesus did not become God sometime after His birth. No, He was God before His birth. He always has been God. He always will be God. And you deny that, you don't have salvation. To, to even deny the virgin birth, you don't have salvation. Because if there's no virgin birth, we don't have a perfect Savior. We've got a sinful one, and that's no Savior at all. So we see how important Christmas is to all of our salvation, to our whole walk, to our whole form of, of doctrine and belief and practice in this Christian life. So today we're going to see two things about the Christ of Christmas. This beautiful, strange mystery that He is both meek and mighty. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 tells us this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. There's humanity. It says, And the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We just sung some of those words a minute ago. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever, even forever. The zeal of the Lord's of hosts will perform this. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come to You this day and we want to thank You for the worship lifted. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for the songs sung. Thank you for the worship that we can simply come to you and we can praise you, Lord, that you would come to us so that we can come to you. Lord, what a thought it is. Lord, I pray that you would help us now. Help my mind, my heart now, Lord, just to be rid of all distractions of all flesh. Lord, that it would be your spirit that fills me and, and preaches your word today, God, that you would reveal Christ, perhaps for the first time to some lost soul today. Lord, that they, they would be saved. Lord, today is a day of salvation. Lord, help us to see that. And Lord, uh, for the rest of us who are saved today, I pray, God, that you would 
rid us of all the distractions of this, of, of this Christmas season, Lord, that we would make much of Christ, Lord, that we would lift up His name, that His name would be lifted up today, that we would be drawn to Him, Lord, that we would be filled this Christmas season to see that this is so important and so wonderful, Lord, to think that You would come to save us, Lord. Who are we? That You would be mindful of us, that You would think of us, Lord. We're nothing but dust, but, but dust and, and dirt and worm, Lord, but, but Lord, You care for us, and we thank You for that, Lord. Help me, guide my mind, my heart, and my tongue, and Lord, open up every heart today, Lord, that, that we might believe, that we might trust Your Word. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Christian life is one of continued revealing of the person and work of Jesus. Your sanctification process is just this, that you are learning and getting more and more rooted and grounded and knowing who you are in Christ because of who Christ is, what you possess in Christ because of what Christ has provided, and not just at His birth, but we're talking specifically His death, His burial, and His resurrection. The gospel is the gospel because we have Christmas. Easter happens because we have Christmas. Now, you can make all your arguments all day long about, was he born on December 25th? And not, probably not, and that's okay. You know what? I'm going to celebrate anyways. I'm going to drink all the hot chocolate I can drink this season. I'm going to give out presents. I'm going to sing Christmas carols, and I'm going to be holly jolly because that's what I'm going to do. Because if Christ doesn't come, I have no hope of salvation. If Christ does not come, I've got nothing to celebrate. Now, the same with this. We, we, we focus on the cross, and we must, but we don't get to the cross without the birth, without the incarnation. We don't get to the resurrection without the cross, and we don't get to either one of those without Him coming here, but we don't get to even the incarnation if we don't have His grace, His mercy, and His love in eternity that says, I will go because they can't come. That says, I will go and die for those who reject Me. He will go unto His own, and His own will receive Him not. He will go as the light, and he will be rejected by the darkness because the darkness loves darkness rather than light. The darkness comprehended him not. It is not just that they could not fathom and wrap their brains around this being the promised one, the Messiah, the God-man, but that idea is the very much so that they just didn't even want him. They didn't want the Messiah to look like that. And they're still awaiting today. But the Messiah is coming, and he's not coming this time at his second coming as was sung about earlier. He's not coming this time as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. No, he is coming as the mighty God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last who holds the key to, to, del, to hell, death, and the grave. He's the one who's coming to be the conqueror who will uh, put every enemy under his foot. He will fulfill this very verse of what we just read in Isaiah, that the government shall be upon his shoulder. There shall be no end to, to him sitting upon the throne, his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. Did you notice as we sang Joy to the World? I've always thought it's a Christmas song. It's not. Did you listen to what we were singing, Joy to the World? That's talking about His second coming. You and I get to sing Joy to the World then, but for the world, it's going to be woe is me. Now, now you think about this today. I love singing Joy to the World, and that, thing, that sucker's a little high, but, but we sing it. And we think of Christmas, but you know something? When you listen to those words that we sing, all of those verses pointed to what we're talking about here in Isaiah 9, that Christ is coming and He shall rule forever and forever. I want you to know we will never have just government. We will never have just judges in this world. You know why? Because they're all sinners. But Christ is a just judge. He is a righteous ruler, and He will rule and do that which is right because that is His very nature, His very character. So when Christ comes to rule, we often hear, and certainly it's true that He will rule with a rod of iron, but He will rule with the staff and the rod, that He will draw His people, that He will, uh, uh, that he will not uh, suffer um, those who will, will do wrong against Him. He will no longer allow this rebellion to come forth in this world. And we thought about this, uh, the thought of that verse Far as the curse is found, I mean, one day the Bible tells us there shall be no more curse. If he doesn't come in that night, the night he's born to that virgin girl, 
in that place of Bethlehem, the house of bread, the, the very bread of life being born there in the house of bread, he, he cannot, we can't have salvation. We've got nothing. We see how important this is. And so here, we've got to understand that our Christian life is just the continuously learning and submitting to who Christ is and what Christ has done. But so is the Christmas message. It's no different. The time today and the next few weeks as we focus on Christmas and, and the incarnation, the coming of Christ that first time as that little infant child, we've got to see that Christ must be revealed and rediscovered by our own hearts. That the whole idea of your sanctification process is just that. It is that you are having more and more of Jesus revealed in you and to you. It is that we are rediscovering daily who Christ is because let's be honest with ourselves, there's many times that we get so distracted by the things of the world. We get distracted by our tribulations, by our problems, by the things, by our thorns in the flesh. We get distracted by this world. We get distracted by the busyness and the Christmas lights and the presents and the running around and all the meals and all these things. We sometimes forget that this moment, today, the reason why you are here is so that Christ would be revealed to you. The very reason why that we gather today is that we would rediscover who Jesus is and what He has done for us. The whole point of Christmas today is for, if anything, the heavens to open and for the name Jesus Christ to be pronounced to this world. The song of the angels, the, the message of the shepherds, a Savior is born. He has come. The incarnation, His life, His death. We discover who Christ is. The Christ of Christmas is the Christ of creation. He's the Christ of the cross. He's the Christ of the consummation. He is the Christ of eternity for us. So when we ask, what child is this? As that same carol goes on to say, this, this is Christ the King. We must understand that that little infant child being held by his mother, his virgin mother, was the very one who held the world in his hands. That the very one who would take his hands and outstretch them to offer salvation to the world. The Christ of Christmas is both meek and mighty. I can't think of anything more meek than that little child. So gentle and mild and Sooner or later, they start screaming and crying and throwing toys and temper tantrums and all that stuff. And then they, they start looking like us and acting like us, but not this Lord. Without sinful nature. There's no self-gratification. There's no self-serving in here. Rather, He is the perfect child. Now let's look here. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We're going to see, first of all, that He is meek. This is who He is. Now, you and I talk about doctrine. We talk about God being all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present. Absolutely is. But yet, in the very same breath, the one who could crush everything with just a very thought comes in meekness. You see, the Jewish people at this time are very much looking for a Messiah. They've been under captivity. They've had 400 years of silence. They've had a multitude of issues. They've had their ups and their downs a million other times. And they know all the while a Savior's coming, a Savior's coming, a Savior's coming. That's what the whole Old Testament is pointing to. That God's promise and provision of Messiah is coming and He's going to bring us back to His presence. And here, Christ comes, but in a way in which they were not looking for, in which they did not expect. But it's a way in which God told them this is how it's going to happen. You see, this is the point. When we get away from God's Word, 
we're going to miss what God is doing. When we get away from God's word, we're going to miss what God has said he's going to do. We're going to miss what's happening in the world around us. We get in this, Christmas makes sense. When we get in this, the cross makes sense. Easter makes sense. The world around us and the shape it's in makes sense. Our own Christian walk and experience makes sense. Suffering makes sense. It's got to be found in this book. Now, as we come here, I want us to see this. He says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. I love here that by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost of God that Isaiah writes unto us. By the way, this us is not just Israel. This is for you and for me. This is personal. Christ came because you were on your way to hell. Christ was born of a virgin to come to set the captives free, to set you free from your sin, your shame, but to set you free from the guilt and from the bondage that sin creates of which your sinful nature has given you, to set you free from death itself, to give you life. And the way in which He would give life is by laying down His and taking it up again to offer you life. That is what this child is going to do. Now, I want us to understand that when we talk about children being born, there is nothing that brings more joy. I mean, you see, as we talked about earlier, it doesn't matter what that kid comes out looking like, people are just thrilled. It's a little babe. Innocent, precious, screaming and crying. <laughs> but there's something wonderful about new life. But there is also something tragic. Because we know that the very moment that that child enters into this world, it will enter into the world, it will have a sinful nature, it will be in the fallen world of which is full of wickedness and violence and sinfulness all around. It will grow up and have to pay bills and taxes and will have difficulties unimaginable at times of which that child will never know about, nor could any of us ever guess what we'd ever go through. And one day we'll die. Perhaps young, perhaps old, perhaps somewhere in between. This child was literally born to die. He was born to die, not for anything of which he had done, but for all the sin of the world of which he entered, the world of which he had created. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We find that he is meek. His humanity here, the real flesh, in real flesh, yet without sin. The idea of meekness is to be humble, gentle, mild, mannered, but especially when facing opposition. I want you to know something, and as we look at this over the next few weeks, we're going to see that the Christ of Christmas entered into a world that was hostile. Not just because of its sinful nature and the violence around it and the Roman Empire just spreading its sin throughout, but because the very world of which he came into, the very ones that he came to save, would be against him. From the very moment of his birth, think about this, just a couple, uh, a couple years into his life, uh, his mom, Joseph, they're having to flee to Egypt because Herod is about to set forth a decree to kill the children. That was, as was sung about earlier, like we do in our own nation today. That the Romans decided, you know what? If there's a new king in this area, we're going to make sure that there's not. Everyone that's two and younger, done. To think about slaughtering a children, I want a child, to slaughter a child like that, two years and younger. You see, if it's two years old, we go, that's awful. But if it's two months in the womb, we should think it's just as awful. And that's where we are as a nation. That's where we are as a world. We've got to see the preciousness of life. And the preciousness of life is because God gives life and He has come to meekly give His life for those that hate Him. 
that God has been born and amidst rebels to die for rebels. To make them sons and daughters. To reconcile them to the Father who loves them, who gave His only begotten Son. But we must understand that meekness is not weakness. Here, though that in the physical form, the Lord Jesus Christ, as that little babe, the one who is mighty, as we'll see in just a few moments, here is helpless. The one who needs nothing now needs a mama. The one who did not need food, water, shelter because he's God now needs his mom to provide food, water, shelter, and will literally drink from her to provide nourishment. A literal baby. The humility of what this takes that the mighty God of the universe, the very One who created all things, is now going to be held and cradled and coddled by this young mother. I love how Warren Wearsby puts meekness though. And I believe it sums up this Christ child. Wearsby says meekness is power under control. I want you to know that same little babe who's wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger is the very same one who is power and might itself. The very same one who you and I are told by the Apostle Paul that in spiritual warfare we are to depend upon His power, to be strengthened with His power, with His might. Not Paul's, but Christ's. That same child. This is the same child who one day is going to grow up and say, peace, be still. The same one who will calm storms, the same one who will give sight to the blind, who will heal the lepers both by touching and by speaking, the one who will raise the dead. That's who this child is. His first coming is in utter meekness. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2 for just a moment. This is the same child that Isaiah talks about as well. In Isaiah 7.14, that the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. That means God with us. The very presence of God. Luke chapter 2, we find this present now going to be wrapped. And it's not wrapped in beautiful wrapping like this, but rather swaddling clothes. Literally torn strips of cloth. He wasn't born to rich people. He wasn't born to mighty people. He was born to the meek and the lowly. And that's of which how Jesus would live his life, meek and lowly at heart. Now, Luke chapter 2 tells us this, and of course, very familiar passage in, in verses 6 and 7. Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, we have to think, sometimes when we watch movies about nativity or we think about Christmas, we think that they're just traveling in a day. They show up and she's waddling around, right? The idea is that they've been in Bethlehem for a little bit. They've been prepping for this. They know the baby's coming. If you, if you have ever had a baby, you know that baby's coming, right? The doctors now even tell you, hey, probably on this date, but sometime about a week before, maybe a week after, and if it don't come, then we'll go in, right? But either way, that baby's coming. You know the child is coming. And they're prepped. They're there where they're supposed to be. This is divine providence that they would be in the right place, the right time, the right season, and that God has orchestrated all this to fulfill His very Word, to fulfill His uh, his promise so that way He can provide His provision, His Word, His work to bring us back into His presence. And so it was that while they were there, the days were come that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Notice that. She would have other children. Not by her virginity anymore either. 
Not by the Holy Ghost anymore. And so if you pray to Mary, quit. If you think she's sinless, quit. What is wild to think about is that Jesus, there on that night that He is born, needs His mama. But His mama needs Him more. She needs Him to grow up, to live a sinless life, and she will be there the day that He dies. I want to talk about something that is heart-wrenching. Any mamas, you ever thought about such? You wouldn't dare. You couldn't even think of that thought for a moment. And she's going to watch the one that she held die for her. She needs Christ. Now let's think about this. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Notice there's no crown. There's no purple robe. There's no uh, rings of glory or honor. Swaddling clothes, like any other child. And laid him in a manger, because there's no room for them in the inn. The idea of being laid in a manger has been taught many times. This idea of a feeding trough. That's no kingly place, is it? As a matter of fact, the kings don't go to the feeding troughs for the animals. The kings don't even have to feed their animals. But here, the good shepherd is born as the lamb. They are in a feeding trough where other animals are all around him, animals of which he created and knew of their existence, or their steps, knows their days, around people who he is or at their steps and knows their days, and he's born to them. He's not surrounded by choirs and, and, and bands playing harps and singing joy to the world. No, not so much, but instead he's going to have a, a choir of angels and he's going to have meek shepherds that are come and that will see his birth and that will then go and tell of that Savior who has now been born. We want to talk about meekness. There's no room. There's no special arrangements made. No one in the end that night said, you know what? Why don't you take our room for the night? Or no one said, hey, we got a suite, but you know what? <laughs> you just had a baby, right? Matter of fact, in Bethlehem that night, he might not have been the only child born that night. They look at this couple and they go, well, hey, <laughs> welcome, welcome to parenthood. They don't think about anything else. There's nothing special done for him. He comes in meekness, gentleness. The Creator is now laying amongst His very creation. He is wrapped in meekness from His very birth. Then in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus has grown up. He is a man. He is in His ministry now. He goes from the manger to His ministry, and His ministry was to do the will of the Father. He surrendered to do the will of the Father through the work of the Spirit, and He did so in His humanity this idea of his humiliation, though he is capable of doing whatever so he pleases, yet he humbles himself to do what only God, has, his Father, has called him to do. And ultimately, he has come to lay down his life to save sinners. He has come to die for wicked souls. He has come, the just, for the unjust. Now, in his ministry, what we find here is as Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, he's He's been rejected by the Jews. The kingdom will not come at this time. It will come one day, as we've heard and we've talked about. We celebrate. We look forward to, by the way. As Isaiah looked at in chapter 9, Matthew 11, verse 25, at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. The meek. The meek shall inherit the earth, is what Jesus preached. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto me. 
of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find no rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The very one who created all things said, I've got no place to lay my head. He walked the earth as one who was rejected, one who didn't have no permanent home or dwelling because he knew he wasn't going to be here that long. As a matter of fact, it was not his plan to stay here that long because there's coming a day where he will come here and he will stay here for a long time because he's going to make all things right. He'll rule and reign and he won't do so out in the middle of nowhere, but he's going to do so from the throne of David. He's going to do so from the kingly place because he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. Whether they would accept it or not, whether you and I accept it or not, he still is king. But I will tell you this, you must bow your knee now if you hope for heaven. Have you come to that place where you have repented of your sins and trusted Jesus? Have you come to that place where He is King of your life, Lord of your life? Have you come to that place? I will tell you this, Christianity is not just a cute little Christmas message. It's not just a babe lying in a manger. It is a wicked, cruel cross, an empty tomb, and a Messiah who is ruling and reigning and will do so forever and forever. His kingdom shall have no end. In his ministry, he preaches. And in his humanity, his nature is to be meek in order to submit to the Father's will through the work of the Spirit. Though he possesses all might in his deity, he chooses to live in all meekness. He is never not meek. You and I sometimes think we're mighty. Sometimes we're meek. But you and I are never both. Not at the same time. You and I are normally loving or wrathful. Never both. Only God can be both. Because only God is God. And here this is the God-man. Now, notice with me in Matthew 21. The triumphal entry in Matthew 21, verses 1-5, through it says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. Here He's about to enter in. What is He about to enter in on this Passover week? He's about to go as the Lamb of God to the slaughter. He's about to go and lay his back to the smiters, to wicked men. It says in verse 2, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them. <laughs> the Lord has need of nothing. He says, I need this. This is a part of the plan and the prophecy that brings him in. It says, And straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, and it was fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. That's a wonderful message. But it goes on, he says, Meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. He came to die in meekness. He is as well the perfect example of meekness. 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us this, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His footsteps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, reviled not again, when He was suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously. Doesn't sound like you and I, does it? 
We're quick to tell somebody off. We're quick to throw the first punch. We're quick to a fight. Jesus said, you can have my back, you can have my cheek, you can have my life. Who His own self bear our sins. Not His sins, because He had no sin. Our sins in His own body. Not in ours. On the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returning to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. He died on a cross of His own creation. He died in such cruelty so that you would not have to die. He died for you so that you can live. He bore your sins because you can't bear them. Andrew Murray put it this way about the humility of Christ. He says, Christ is the humility of God embodied in human nature. The eternal love humbling itself clothing itself in the garb of meekness and gentleness to win and serve and save us. Now, Back in Isaiah 9, we're going to now see not only that He is meek, but He is mighty. Y'all still with me? This is, there's only two points. All four sermons this month, only two points in each one, so it's not that bad. Isaiah 9, verse 6 through 7, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Here we find his deity. The government being upon his shoulder is that at his second coming, it will usher in his kingdom where he will rule justly. Isaiah 11 discusses what this will look like. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and, and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And shall uh, make him of quick understanding and the fear of the Lord, and shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Isn't that interesting? And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. That same child. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Well, George Jones sung that, didn't he? There'll be peace in the valley for me. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's not talking about today, is it? It's talking about in days to come. It's talking about the day of which in all of His deity and all of His might, Christ shall rule forever and forever. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek and His rest shall be glorious. Yes, it shall be. Now as we look here, we see what that kingdom is going to look like, but notice what He is called. We've got five names here. Some say it ought to be four. I think it ought to be five. Wonderful. I don't believe it's just wonderful counselor. I believe the first portion is right. Wonderful. His name is wonderful. 
It is by His name and His name only that man must be saved and only by His name that man can be saved. There is no other name. There is no other person that offers salvation. There is no other perfect God-man because there is no other God-man. There is only man, sinful man, of which Christ, the God-man, died for. There is only one who is truly wonderful. You might tell somebody in the, that you love, I just think you're wonderful. No, they're not. Only Jesus is. They might be real nice and you might really like them a whole lot. You might even love them a whole lot and that's nice. But only Christ is wonderful. The idea of wonderful is this. That it is full of wonder. Who to thought? Wonderful. Man. Full of awe. Full of amazement. You and I like to say something is awesome. I'll watch the Redskins make one good play, a game, and I'll say, man, that was awesome. And for them, it's pretty close. But it's not awesome. It's pretty good, pretty neat. Only Christ brings awe. If you have never come to the place where you have been in awe of Jesus, you need to know who Jesus is. You need to know the Christ of Christmas. You must find yourself in awe as the angels and the shepherds found themselves that night. You must find yourself in awe as uh, the centurion and the women wailing in front of the cross were in awe. You must find yourself in awe as the angels above the empty tomb and the, the disciples one peering in and one going in, found themselves in awe. You must find yourselves in awe as Thomas the doubter says, Lord, I believe. You must find yourself in awe as the Apostle Paul on the road to persecute Christians found himself in awe as Jesus himself was revealed to him. You must find yourself in awe as John did on the Isle of Patmos as the revelation of Jesus Christ is given to him and he says that he fell down as a dead man. The Christ of Christmas will cause you to fall down as a dead man if you see him for who he is. It will not cause you to look at that manger and go, oh, what a sweet little baby. What a perfect little blonde-haired, blue-eyed little baby. He didn't have blonde hair, blue eyes. Might have had blue eyes, I don't know, but he probably didn't have blonde hair. Not very Jewish. You have not come to a place of all, then you must come today. Come to see who Christ Jesus is and be ye saved today. His name is wonderful, the very person and work of Christ. It is full of wonder. That's who he is. That's the message in and of itself. But he goes on. Not only is he wonderful, but he's counselor, he's father, he's friend. There is no one that consoles a a broken heart like Christ. There is none that offers such counsel and difficulties and trials. There's none that consoles with such wisdom and strength like Jesus. He is Counselor. And Jesus, in all of His might and in all of His meekness, identifies with people in their grief and in their sorrow and is able to console them because He knows what it's like. He knows your hurt. He knows your heartache. He knows your pain. He knows your suffering. And He knows it even more because He had more hurt, pain, sorrow, and agony than you and I will ever face. Look here. Not only is He the counselor, but He's the mighty God. That baby in that manger is the mighty God. He's not just a newborn babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. There, He is that and wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There on that night in Bethlehem, the mighty God put on flesh. The mighty God put on frail human 
weakness. The mighty God in His hand of which He didn't even have to use to make the world except He used it just to scoop up the dirt that He made and formed man was there that night. Meek, yet mighty. This idea of mighty God is that He is the eternal, everlasting, self-existing, all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God of creation. He was that way in eternity past. He's that way right now. He was that way in that manger. He was that way on the cross. He was that way in the grave. He was that way in the empty tomb. He was that way in the resurrection. He's going to be that way when He calls us out of here. He's going to be that way when He comes again and judges righteously and sets up His kingdom. He's going to be that way forever and forever and forever. Either you know Him as the mighty God or you don't know Him. Now, Fourth, and some folks get a little messed up on this one. Everlasting Father. Does that mean He's the Father and the Son? No. Yet they are one. Our triune, thrice holy God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Yet what we find is this, that Christ the Son was given all things by the hand of the Father and His humanity worked the work of which He did by submitting to the will of the Father, completing it through the work of the Spirit in His life, totally surrendered, giving His life for us. What we find though is this, that the phrase everlasting Father is not that He's the first person of the Trinity, but that Father is the idea and understanding here in the Hebrew of the origin, the author, if you will, the Creator. He is this, the origin, source, and author of both eternity and your salvation. Your salvation does not come from your good works. Matter of fact, as we talked about earlier, Mary had to be saved. Joseph had to be saved. His half-brothers had to be saved. The world around him had to be saved. you got to be saved. i got to be saved. And it only comes from Him. If you could make salvation on your own, it ain't good salvation, it ain't the right salvation, nor would it ever be salvation, nor would it be complete salvation. Salvation comes from Christ alone. That's it. And He's the source of it. He's the giver of it. He's the originator of it. He's the author of it, the finisher of it. He's the one who begins the work, completes the work, sees it through the whole nine yards. Everything is about Christ. And lastly, He says not only is He those things, but He is the Prince of Peace. Because only if you know Him, as wonderful and counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting Father, will you know Him as the Prince of Peace? Because you will not have peace with Him if you have not surrendered to those things. You will not have peace with God unless you have bowed your knee in repentance and faith. Matter of fact, you will be at war with Him and you will lose that war. You will lose that battle. You might do so with being baptized in every church and being a member of every church. You might do it as, as uh, holding all these different church offices. You might be a good person, all you think. But I will tell you this, you will never have peace with God for eternity unless you come to Him by faith alone. You must trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ that it is full, final, and complete and that He alone has the power to save to the uttermost. He brings peace as the only mediator between God and man and will one day bring a full and final peace to His creation and to His people. With His might He healed. He commanded nature. He raised the dead all in revealing His might through a life of meekness. Meekness is not weakness. As Wearsby said, it's power under control. As we bring this to a close today, only Jesus is both perfectly and completely meek and mighty. That brings us confidence today. 
this makes that manger scene mean much more than just a new baby who was born. It means that God, the Mighty One, put on weakness and lived in meekness to show His might. And the might of God is given and the power of God is given to those who are weak, to those who are frail, to those who are unwise, to those who know nothing, but they're given, and it's all given, to those who humble themselves in meekness and trust in His might. Are you living a life of meekness? Have you come to the place of awe and reverence of who Jesus is? Have you come to the place where you see both His meekness and His might? Have you surrendered to Him today? Today, maybe you've been saved for quite some time. I hope that today and over the next few weeks, it would be a rediscovery of who this Christ is. What child is this? This is Christ the King. This is the God who is both meek and mighty. Listen to these words of this modern Christmas hymn, How Low Was Our Redeemer Brought. How low was our Redeemer brought, the King who held the stars, lay helpless in a maiden's arms and pressed against her heart. While sheep and cattle raised their voice, the babe could speak no words. The ever-flowing spring of joy had come to share our thirst. How low was our Redeemer brought, the Lord the worlds obeyed would stumble as he learned to walk upon the ground he'd made. The one the angels bowed before would kneel to wash our feet and be at home among the poor, though he owned everything. Gloria, Gloria in the highest. Gloria, Gloria in the highest. How low was our Redeemer brought to raise us from our shame. And now the highest praise of all belongs to Jesus' name the healer wounded on a tree to bear our grief and sin. The king gave up his crown so we could ever reign with him. How low was our Redeemer brought to raise us from our shame. And now the highest praise of all belongs to Jesus' name. In meekness, Christ was born and put on flesh. It was his meekness that laid down willingly upon that cruel cross. It was in His meekness that allowed Himself to be lowered into the grave. A borrowed tomb, mind you. He wouldn't need it long. Because in His might, He died a victor, a conqueror. In His might, He rose again. In His might, He is coming in glory and power and strength. Do you know the Christ of Christmas? Do you know what child this is? This is Christ, meek and mighty. Let's all stand this morning. Today, if you don't know Christ, come, take a first step of faith, walk down here, let us take the Bible and show you Jesus. Simply come to Him. And He says, all who come to Him, He will in no wise cast out. Come to Christ and be born again. Ask Him to save you. He will save you to the uttermost. Today, if you've been saved for quite some time, as we're getting ready to sing this, this hymn, uh, is going to come. We're going to sing a, 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 an invitation hymn. Today, the invitation is there. If you know Jesus, would you come anyways? Come and thank Him. Rediscover who Christ is and glorify Him and praise Him because He is meek and mighty to save. Would you come today? What number are we singing, brother? 482. This altar's open for us.
number 482. While we sing, would you come? Jesus is calling. Jesus is tenderly calling you home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love will you roam farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling his tent. Calling today. Ready for Christmas, and I hope you're able to see who the Christ of Christmas truly is. Uh, Want to remind you a couple things. Seniors are heading out tomorrow. Y'all pray for them. Uh, Kim and I are heading out this afternoon. Tonight, you're going to have with you Brother AJ James. He's going to be preaching tonight, as well as collecting the shoe boxes. So if you had any leftover shoe boxes, now's the time to bring them. And if you guys could help him out with that, uh, Kim and I will be out of town for a few nights just to recover and uh, recoup and, and get it, uh, ready for this uh, upcoming year and looking forward to it. And then this Wednesday as well, uh, Brother Stephen is going to be giving the message this Wednesday to set everything straight. I done messed up. <laughs> but I, I'm thankful for him and uh, for preaching, for being willing to. And so y'all come out, support your church, pray for your church, and pray for God's direction for his hand to continue to be upon us for the work that he's doing. Um, But I'm going to ask if, if Brother Stephen will actually close us in prayer today, and we will be dismissed.